0: Since oxytocin was first recreated and successfully synthesized in 1953, it's become the most widely used medication in obstetrics worldwide. It's used in over 50% of deliveries across the globe, and in the U.S., it's the most commonly used medication in labor and delivery across all labor and delivery units. Well, now we have a problem. Since the fall of 2021, oxytocin has had a shortage. And now that we're in the fall of 2022, that shortage is not getting any better. This is so true that just on Friday, October the 21st, 2022, the college released an FAQ section online addressing this. But interestingly, it didn't mention one way to potentially curb oxytocin use in labor and delivery to try to save it for when we really need it. And that's the issue of discontinuing oxytocin in the active phase of labor. Now, be very clear, I'm not talking about starting oxytocin. Okay, not initiating it in the active phase for those who need it, like with hypotonic labor. I'm talking about those patients who have initiation in the latent phase and then continue it all the way until delivery. There's actually data that stopping oxytocin in these inductions in the active phase of labor not only is safe, but actually does not adversely affect pregnancy outcomes. So I thought in this session we should cover that data. Now that we're facing this oxytocin shortage, let's look for ways to try to curve its use but do it in a safe and evidence-based way. I'm also going to review some cases where oxytocin is used where it has no benefit being used at all. Yet it's so ingrained into practice that it's commonly done. So we're going to address these issues right now in this podcast so that we can save the Pitocin. Here we go. Our goal is to keep everyone up to date in practicing evidence-based medicine, because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. My goodness, whoever would have thought that we'd see the day when oxytocin would be on short supply. But this is the world that we're in. Now, thankfully, this is slated to end, or at least it's projected to end, by November of 2022. That's just next month. But you know how that goes, this has been going on for a year already, so we're not really sure when this will end, although people are setting their sights on mid-November, but it may or may not come to a conclusion. But this is why we have to start addressing these issues right now in case this problem gets worse. Remember, Pitocin is used for a variety of indications that we've already discussed. And specifically, when it's really needed, like for postpartum hemorrhage, we should have it available and on hand. But there are some things that we can do to try to curb its use and do it safely. Before we get to its use in labor and delivery, specifically continuing oxytocin in the active phase, I want to talk about DNCs in the first trimester. Because when I trained, and it's still a thing, it was not unusual for the anesthesiologist or CRNA at the head of the bed as we're doing our suction DNC to say, hey, everything going okay? Uh, is Are you ready for Pitocin? And without fail, the entire room would go, yeah, let's go ahead and give her 10 or 20 units. Remember, we're talking about a first trimester DNC. This is one of the cases where history and habit are kind of hard to break because there's actually no evidence that the uterus contracts with oxytocin in any significant degree to stop bleeding in the first trimester. Now, this was actually proven by Fuchs et al. back in the Gray Journal in 1984. In the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, Fuchs et al. published a paper called Oxytocin Receptors in the Human Uterus During Pregnancy and Partuition. What they actually found is that the myometrial receptor concentration for oxytocin was extremely low at 13 weeks or below. In other words, in the first trimester, most of the uterine contractions aren't due to oxytocin, but are prostaglandin-based. So in the first trimester during DNC, if bleeding is an issue outside of looking for the obvious, which are lacerations of the cervix, retained products, or uterine perforation out laterally by the uterine vessels, then really prostaglandins should be given, either cytotec or hemabate. But to give oxytocin in the first trimester when there's no receptors, it's just not evidence-based at all. So that's the first thing that we have to discuss. In a time of rationed oxytocin supply, using it in the first trimester for DNC is just not evidence-based. Oxytocin receptors in the myometrium begin to increase at mid-pregnancy onward, but that's why if you have a second trimester early pregnancy loss and fetal demise at 22 weeks, giving the patient pitocin is fine, but it's going to be a long road because pit receptors may not even be functional at that time. That's why you use high-dose attack or hemabate or osmotic dilators for mechanical dilation of the cervix for these early miscarriages or fetal losses. I mean, there's just no pitocin receptors So to use that at 6 to 8 weeks for a suction DNC never made any sense to me, and the evidence is just not there. All right, fine. So that's the first clinical pearl. As we're facing the potential rationing of oxytocin, let's stop using it in the first trimester for DNCs since pitocin receptors just aren't even present on the myometrium. Well, now that we've addressed that, let's turn back our focus to our topic at hand, which is the possibility of stopping oxytocin once a patient reaches active phase of labor. Remember, we're not talking about first starting it when they're hypotonic in the active phase. That's a whole separate issue. But this is the automatic starting of oxytocin in the latent phase, typically for an induction or early augmentation of labor, and then continuing all the way until birth. Is there data that stopping oxytocin once they hit the active phase is safe? Well, the short answer is yes, there's plenty of data, both in individual trials and as meta-analysis. So I want to cover just three main articles here that really summed up the data as far as we know it. And one was just released in April of 2022. We're going to start with a meta-analysis that came out of the Green Journal in 2017 on this subject. Then we're going to move over to a randomized trial in 2021. And then we're going to end with the last meta-analysis covering this subject that was just approved and released on Plus One Online on April of 2022. Before I give you these three article summaries and reviews, let me tell you, I understand it makes you uncomfortable. I mean, we just love to leave patients on pit all the way until the kid's born, right? That's what we do. That's a very Western U.S. style of practice. And and I'm in that camp. But to be honest, I, I like doing that. But we've got to change what we practice, especially in face of this oxytocin shortage. And the data really is there. So let me give you a quick spoiler. Yes, it's totally safe to turn off Pitocin in the active phase on a protocol. In other words, if labor stalls and there's no contraction, they become hypotonic, then you can reinitiate it. But the automatic continuation all the way until the end of second stage is really just not evidence-based. Wild, right? The UK only gives it in the first stage of labor, and then once they're in the active phase, then they stop it, and nothing actually comes out harmful. I'm going to give you the summaries here in these articles in just a minute. But another word of caution, the initiation of pitocin in the second stage of labor. In other words, she gets to 10, she's pushing, and she becomes hypotonic. The initiation of pit in that second stage is also controversial because some evidence shows that if the uterus stops contracting at second stage, the uterus may be protecting the child and itself against potentially like a contracted pelvis or something else. Remember the three Ps of obstetrics. The passenger, the pelvis, and the powers. So if the powers give up, you have to wonder at second stage, is this a bony pelvis issue or something else going on? Uterine ruptures have occurred with initiation of Pitocin in the second stage, even without a previous uterine injury, like without previous C-section. So just make sure that if you're starting Pitocin in the second stage, that obstructed labor for some other cause, usually of maternal bony pelvis issue, is not to blame. So to be very clear, I'm not against starting Pitocin in the second stage. I'm just saying be cautious because there's no uniform data or guidelines that are or that exist for the initiation of Pitocin in the second stage. And there has been reports that link to rupture and bandels contraction band formation. So again, I have done it and it's been fine. But just be aware of that cautionary note of initiation at second stage. Okay, let's get to it. Let's start with November 2017 in the Green Journal. The title of this systematic review and meta-analysis is Discontinuing Oxytocin Infusion in the Active Phase of Labor. That's exactly what we're talking about. Well, what did this systematic review and meta-analysis conclude? This systematic review included nine randomized controlled trials with over 1,500 singleton gestations. All nine trials included only women undergoing induction of labor, in the discontinuation group if arrest of labor occurred usually defined as no cervical dilation in 2 hours or inadequate uterine contractions over 2 hours or more then oxytocin infusion was restarted Women in the control group had oxytocin continued until delivery, usually at the same dose used at the time the active phase was reached. Women who were randomized to have discontinuation of oxytocin received a discontinuation as soon as the active phase of labor was diagnosed. These authors found that in singleton gestations with cephalic presentations all at term who were undergoing induction of labor, discontinuation of oxytocin infusion after the active phase of labor was reached, decreased the risk of cesarean delivery. It also reduced the risk of uterine tachycystole compared with continuous oxytocin infusion. So the author stated quote, given this evidence discontinuation of oxytocin infusion once the active phase of labor is established can be considered an alternative management plan End quote. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, podcast family. Let me, let me clarify something here. Just because they had to discontinue I want to be very clear. I want to make sure everybody gets it. It doesn't mean, well, your pit's over. Sorry, wish you well. That's it. No, no, no. Listen, if they stalled, if they became hypotonic, I mean, their contractions just flat out went away. I mean, they were restarted on it. That's why I said if you're going to stop it, the institution should have, your hospital should have a set protocol of when restarting should be done. So it's not like, well, we gave her pit, we turned it off, and that's it. Now she's going to get a section. No, no, no. If her labor stalls, then you can go ahead and restart for the typical indication. But what this meta-analysis found, remember, is that it actually reduced the rate of C-section and reduced the rate of uterine tachycystole in the discontinuation group. Interesting, huh? Now, I hope you know me better than that, because you know I'm not going to leave you with a publication from 2017. No, 2017 wasn't that long ago, but we've got more data to build on this. So this takes us now to April of 2021 in the journal BMJ. This is the Condisox trial. Ain't that clever? I'm going to spell it out for you because it's really kind of clever. It is C-O-N-D-I-S-O-X, Condisox. What the heck is that? Well, it stands for continued versus discontinued oxytocin stimulation in the active phase of labor. So con is continued. Dis in the sox, the D-I-S is discontinued. The O-X is oxytocin. So con sox, continued versus discontinued oxytocin in the active phase of labor. condisox You know, it takes people a long time to come up with these names. This was a double-blind, randomized control trial. So let's cover the Condidox double-blind, randomized control trial right now. This Sox trial was actually pretty nicely done. It was an international, multi-center, double-blind, randomized control trial. It involved nine hospitals in Denmark and one in the Netherlands, and enrolled patients from two thousand and sixteen until twenty twenty. The total number of study participants was 1,200, which is pretty good for a trial of this design. Women were eligible for this trial if they had a singleton live fetus with a cephalic presentation and they all had to be at term. They all had to have their labor stimulated with oxytocin either as an elective induction or following spontaneous pre-labor rupture of membranes without progression in labor spontaneously. All right, so this is everybody set. It's an RCT with you're going to get pit and we're going to let you go all the way into labor, or we're going to stop it once you hit the active phase. Well, here's what they found. No statistically significant difference existed in the frequency of cesarean section between the discontinued group of oxytocin and the continued group. So that's good to know. Data on secondary outcomes showed that discontinuation of oxytocin was associated, however, with a slightly longer duration of labor, but it also had a reduced risk of hyperstimulation, a reduced risk of fetal heart rate abnormalities, and similar rates of other adverse maternal or neonatal outcomes. All in all, there was no adverse issues in this RCT with the discontinuation of oxytocin in the active phase. So what do we know so far? All right, we've got 2017 meta-analysis seems to be okay. And then this RCT that was done in 2021, again, also showed no adverse issues occurred. Now that we've covered those two publications, that brings us up to date to 2022 in April. The name of this publication is Continued versus Discontinued Oxytocin After the Active Phase of Labor, An Updated, Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. Now, I like this because this builds on the previous meta-analysis that we already covered. The author searched PubMed, Embase, and the Cochrane Library from data all the way up to 2021. Remember, this publication came out this year in 2022. The results were that discontinuing oxytocin, once the active phase of labor was established, could potentially decrease the risk of cesarean delivery. Additionally, the incidence of uterine tachycystole, postpartum hemorrhage, and non-reassuring fetal heart rate were significantly lower in the oxytocin discontinuation group. They also found possible decrease in the risk of chorio in the discontinued oxytocin group. Go figure! Overall, though, there was a slightly increased duration of the active phase of labor and a little increase in the second phase of labor. However, the total time to delivery was not statistically different. Alright, so if you stop Pitocin, somebody asks you, well, what does the data show? Are we going to prolong labor? Probably. We're going to probably increase the duration of the active phase and the second stage of labor. However, when you include the latent phase, because that's actively managed with oxytocin, then the total time from admission or initiation of Pitocin to delivery is not significantly or statistically different. Everybody good? So yes, we can likely extend active phase and second stage a little bit, but the total time time to delivery probably doesn't change much. Now I'm going to drop some clinical pearls here at the end, but I just want to summarize where we're at. We've covered three publications from 2017, 2021, and this year 2022, showing that if we're looking for a way to curb oxytocin use in labor and delivery, then we can potentially consider stopping oxytocin in the active phase without any adverse issues, as long as we follow a set protocol. And we still have to follow them in active phase. And if they fall off the curve, well, then give them their pitocin back. But the idea of just continuing all the way up. To until the child is born, it really is, there's just no evidence that that occurs. There's actually evidence that after 10 hours of continuous oxytocin infusion, we can actually down-regulate Pitocin receptors. I mean, that's been published. So that's the other issue. in patients that are having a trial of induction, rather than starting initially with oxytocin, I mean, if their Bishop score is less than six, consider consider another agent like misoprostol or a cervical balloon ripening to try to save that Pitocin until we really need it. But the other issue is once they hit the active phase, consider turning it off. I know that makes people uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable too, but the data is the data and we have to be better stewards of our oxytocin on the shelf. So it's good to talk with labor and delivery management about this as one potential caveat or one potential approach to save pitocin. And this also has to do with postpartum. I mean, if a patient has postpartum bleeding, let's utilize our other uterotonic agents, including TXA, when it's appropriate to try to curb our use of oxytocin. Now that never really made sense to me. Think about it. A patient has a prolonged labor, I mean, 24 hours on Pitocin, and she starts bleeding, and what do we ask for? More Pitocin. She likely is downregulated. I mean, if her Pitocin was working, she'd have uterine contractility, most likely. So it's weird that we're so programmed to use Pit, like we're programmed to use it in the first trimester for DNCs, that it's just probably not evidence-based. And it's not. So just remember, as a way to ration this sacred medication, look for other things to stem bleeding in the third stage of labor. And that's according to the college right now in their FAQ section. Let's use other agents. And if the patient has some leftover Pitocin from her intrapartum course, don't discard that. I mean, that still belongs to the patient. If you need to restart it in the active phase, use that leftover bag. And if she starts bleeding in the third stage of labor, then use whatever's continued from the intrapartum course. It's amazing what we took for granted because I've seen it. Oh, we had a bag from intrapartum use and that would be discarded. We grab a new bag for the third stage of labor, that bag of Pit is now sacred. So just some tools and some tips and some clinical pearls to help us save the Pitocin. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. I just wanted to get this information out there and open up this discussion about doing things differently, just because we've always done it one way. Doesn't necessarily mean it's right, and there is evidence from individual trials and systematic reviews and meta-analyses that we can safely stop Pitocin in the active phase, restart it if necessary, and no, we're not going to drastically increase our C-section rates. Oddly enough, the data show it decreases C-section rates and fetal heart rate abnormalities with no adverse neonatal outcomes weird, huh? Well, anyway, I hope you found this podcast helpful and I hope it helps open up these discussions with your labor and delivery unit. As always, we're thankful for you and we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.